Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the developer behind the delightful countdown app up ahead, Daniel Gautier. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. This is going to be a weird one because normally I have people on and like a lot of times it's the first person I've, first time I've met them outside of Twitter or something like that. We've talked before and also I've been like following you through this whole process of making this app. Very, very excited. So I've been looking forward to recording this episode for, I feel like for a very long time. So I'm, I'm excited to get into this. I'm going to have to make sure I'm not just retelling you all the same stories I've told you before. (laughs) It's going to be a bit tricky, but we'll make it work. Yeah, we'll make it work. Uh, But before we get into uh, up ahead, uh, let's give everybody else a primer on who you are. So the three questions I always ask everybody is, where are you from? Do you have a formal education related to what you do? And then we can talk about your career leading up to up ahead. Yeah. So first of all, I'm from uh, Ottawa, which is in Ontario, which is in Canada. Grew up here, uh, live here now. Um, It's sort of a, it's the capital of Canada, but it's sort of a mid-sized city. Yeah. So I grew up in Ottawa, uh, ended up going to school uh, sort of in southwestern Ontario near Toronto, uh, at a school called Western in London, Ontario. And then sort of lived in and around Toronto for a little while, but then moved back here. Um, Still have lots of family and friends here and stuff. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. In terms of education, I guess I touched on that. Uh, at Western, I studied, I did a, sort of a weird double major in both computer science and a degree called popular music, which is not, it wasn't sort of your traditional like performance oriented music degree. It was more about music production and music history and sort of, you know, the cultural impacts of music. Um, so yeah, it was this really weird sort of split between, you know, lots of hard math and computer science stuff and like this really sort of broad degree about, you know, comparative literature and postmodernism and music production and just like... So that's quite the contrast. It sort of lives at the intersection of uh, computer science and liberal arts. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's becoming like a a joke on the show now. It's surprising how many people... uh, live at those crossroads it feels like yeah so i mean i don't know i i i certainly really appreciated that i don't know that it was the most like practical choice um but yeah i was never really super in how do i put this i don't want to say not engaged but not super interested in like computer science for its own sake um always been interested in computers and it seemed like a sensible path to explore but i was also you know very much into music and very sort of I really wanted to continue to stretch the creative side of my brain. So that kind of let me do that in these weird sort of um, vague ways. And so out, out of college, then you immediately dove into the lucrative career of uh, music studies. Yeah. I assume. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that was the funny thing is, yeah, like, I don't, I have no idea who the other people even were like in that degree. I think a couple of people were actually really into like music production and actually went went on and made a career of it. But yeah, for me, that was never really going to be a part of where I headed. I, I, and I think probably going into it, I wasn't sure about that. I think what I was trying to do as like a high school student trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life is I was trying to leave sort of music open as a door, right? Mm, like maybe yeah. there's there was some some way I could you know, leave that door open and somehow combine 
programming with music in some interesting way or even like i'm sure at the time i still had sort of a notion that you know maybe i could somehow become a, a music producer or whatever that means anyways but yeah i mean pretty quickly through school i think i realized like that's not i'm interested in that stuff but that's not really that's not really where my career is going to take me so basically once i finished school i kind of had no idea what i was going to do i graduated in 2012 and I think partly because of the time and also maybe just partly because of, you know, the degree in the school, I kind of came out of that degree with a, a, a base of computer science, but no real practical skills. I kind of came out mm. not really having any idea how I wanted to apply those skills or even like where I could apply those skills. But, uh, you know, sort of through those four years at school, I, I started to get really interested in the app store and in iPhones, right? I, I think my first iPhone was an iPhone 4, uh, which was, I don't know, something like 2011. Yeah, and I had like an iPod Touch before that and was very into, you know, all those early games, like big Doodle Jump fan, um, <laughs> yeah. all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I just like I started to become really interested in app development, but had no real like through school, I basically didn't didn't really apply myself in any way to anything other than school, which like in hindsight probably wasn't the right thing to do. I was very focused on school and focused on getting good grades and I came right. out just not 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 having really applied all of that stuff in any real way. So all that to say after school, I basically I had had some like good part time jobs in school doing kind of like research through the school and stuff. So I had a bit of money saved up and I basically decided to just take a year to teach myself iOS development. Basically, after school, I, I sat down. I think I, I literally like went to a bookstore and bought a book about, you know, like how to how to build for iOS 5 or whatever. So you just decided, like, I want to make iPhone apps as kind of a this is what I want to do. Pretty much. Um, it wasn't a job opportunity. It was like, no. OK, it was just this is something I want to pursue. I have no idea how to do it right now. So I'm going to go figure out how to do it. Why iPhone apps? Well, I think there are a couple of things going on there. One is I think I had this sort of ill-defined notion that I wanted to somehow like get into the startup scene, whatever that meant, right? There was there was all this energy, especially oh, yeah, around yeah. that time, around the app store and around, you know, like people having these little app ideas and them blowing up into these lucrative businesses and lots of startups popping up all over the place and often mobile was becoming a bigger and bigger part of like that startup scene um so yeah i think part of me it sort of youngly and naively just kind of like wanted to get into that and i don't think i really knew what that meant but i knew i had to figure out how to how to build apps if i wanted right. to be involved in any of that stuff um but i think the other aspect of it too is just like i think it goes back a little bit to um you know, my, my two degrees and like those two sides that I was trying to balance, um, which is that I don't think I really wanted to just, you know, shuffle into, I, I never really know how to put this cause I don't want to be, I don't want to like downplay the, any interesting work that programmers who don't build apps are doing, but like, I didn't just want to go and be a programmer somewhere. I was really interested in like the, the creative side of building apps. Um, for people who could like get them into their hands, you know, and 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 certainly the design aspect of it too was really interesting to me. The craft of computer science as a thing wasn't as interesting as, you know, what computer science could then create afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And I think I always I always tried to think about, um, yeah, programming as just a a means to an end. I guess like a tool that I can wield to to build cool stuff. 
um, rather than, you know, something that I'm really interested in for its own sake. Yeah, I definitely, that's, that's how I feel too. And I get that same feeling sometimes where it's like, yeah, you don't want to be like, there is an art form and a cool stuff to programming too. It's just for whatever reason, it doesn't hit the same, the same notes for me in terms of like things that you would do on your own on the side and get you really excited. And, and interestingly, I think as I've, as I've gotten older and sort of navigated this career, I think, I think some of that, some of that stuff has become more interesting to me um, in some ways, right? Like I, I yeah. you know, I think there's so much that I didn't really understand about sort of the craft of programming itself um, that has become more interesting to me that I have like explored deeper um, in the years since. Um, but yeah, long story short, it's just like apps were really cool to me. I was really sort of energized and excited by them. And I sort of had this weird blank slate opportunity where I was just like, well, I have no idea what I'm going to do. So this seems like the coolest thing to do. So I'm going to try and do it. So did you go straight into trying to do something independent or did you find a job relatively quickly? No. So I spent a year without a job um, working on my own projects. So I built um, the first project. I'm trying to actually think what I tried to do. I think initially I did the classic beginner thing of like to do app. Well, no, no, actually, (laughs) what I was going to say is like, I went way too big. Ah. I I had the, I had these notions, these ideas of just like, I was going to, I honestly don't remember what the app idea was. I wish I did, but I had, I remember like sitting in my parents' basement the summer after, after I graduated from school with like this iOS book open on the desk. And like, meanwhile, I was like trying to learn ruby on rails because i was i was like just like deep down this rabbit hole of like well i'm gonna need to build a website and i'm gonna need to build a back end and i'm gonna need to do this and this and this and i had no idea what i was doing and at a certain point thankfully like not too far into it i was like okay i need i need something simpler like i need to cut scope a little (laughs) bit here so at that point i sort of realized okay this is this is going to be more of a more of a learning journey than a like i'm gonna go and build something great and ship it to the world and this is going to be my new job so what I ended up doing is I the first app I ever built was an app called uh, Sixth Note. I don't even know if I can remember why I called it that exactly. But the gist of the app is that it was a journaling app. But the sort of hook was that you could attach um, music to your journal entries. And so it had mm. an actual music player built into it such that like if you were listening to music you could open up this app and you'd see the music that was playing. And if you wrote an entry, that music would automatically be linked to your, to your journal entry. So that if you went and reviewed entries later, you could like hit play on them and it would be, it would play the music that you were listening to. Listening to on your phone. Yeah. How did it know? Uh, I mean, it's just like, I, what was music even called? I guess it was just like the iTunes app, right? Like you have hooks into, Oh, Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Nice. Yeah, so there were ways to build sort of like third-party music players where you could just like, you know, build your own controls to, yeah, to, to show what was actually playing. And so that's how you made your first million then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all been smooth sailing from yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so like I spent a, I spent a long time on that app just like, so this was this was objective C days and it was also just barely post arc days. So when I actually started building oh, this wow. thing, I was actually having to learn specifically about like retain cycles and yeah. how to release things properly and 
So you actually understand all that then? I guess so. Although, again, <laughs> like I was in so deep at that point, like I had yeah. no idea what I was doing on so many different axes that like I don't know how much I was really absorbing. And certainly if you go and look at that code, it's just like, well, I have no <laughs> idea what's happening in here. But yeah, anyway, so that was just like this interesting project where I was I was interacting with a whole bunch of different, you know, like first party APIs because I, of course, then I, I kept sort of scope creeping this thing where you could also add photos to your entries and well you could also add your location to your entries and uh, it was a great learning app idea right because i was just interacting with so many different things and having to figure out how to piece all this stuff together yeah yeah so anyways i i released this first app and i mean yeah nothing happened of course did you have expectations going into it I think I probably did have some, like, so just some very naive expectations based on just a, like a total misunderstanding of how this stuff works. Um, and certainly the app store did work differently at the time. Like right. if at that time, if for some reason I had somehow managed to get an app store feature, things would have been very different, right? Which yeah. is not so much the case now, but I had, yeah, I just had no concept of like, you know, what that would take, what it meant to at all try to market your work. Like I just kind of put it out and I crossed my fingers and was like, I hope people find this. And of course, people can't find yeah. it, right? It's just not how it works. And also, you know, to be clear, the quality also just wasn't there. Of course, it was the first thing I'd ever built. It was kind of this weird Frankenstein mishmash of like strange UI ideas and, you know, half-baked design. And yeah, so, but again, it's just like, it was such a great, a great way to just like hone what I was actually trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, enough about six note. I then turned around. So that probably took me something like six months. And then I turned around and was like, all right, well, now I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm going to make something else. So I made a two player word game that was managed through Game Center called Switchboard. And it was, uh, yeah, so you took turns basically placing. Actually, how did it work? Oh, gosh, this is so long ago now. Yeah, it was sort of boggle like. So you had a bunch of words on a on a grid and you okay. were trying to or sorry, a bunch of letters on a grid and you were trying to pick the letters off of the grid to create like a good word, a good right. long word. And then if you created that word, it was basically like this you were trying to capture areas on the board. So by using letters, those letters would sort of turn your color. And then if the other person used those letters, they would turn back to neutral. So there was this sort of like, you know, you were going back, back and, and forth, forth trying yeah. to create words that would capture the right areas of the board anyway so that one was uh, like to this day i'm still fairly proud of that one i think like it's amazing just like sort of getting through sixth note and all the mess that that was and figuring out what i was doing and then coming out the other end and starting fresh yeah it just made a huge difference like i kind of felt like okay i actually sort of know what i'm doing i actually have some sort of identity that i'm trying to chase with this app i actually kind of know what i want it to look like and how it should feel and how everything should fit together so certainly if you go look at old pictures of that app it was definitely a pretty blatant i don't want to say ripoff because the game was different but aesthetically it was very very similar to letterpress i don't I was know about if to you ask, remember that i feel like that era i missed this era because i was in okay. android land but Everybody references letterpress. It seemed yeah. like everybody like was what was the name of this one by the way? I was going to add a link uh, in the switchboard. Yeah, I don't know that you'll find much evidence of it anymore on the internet, but and letterpress was uh shoot, what's his name? The Tweety uh, Lauren uh, Brichter, yeah, right? Lauren Brichter, yeah. Yeah, so that was just again, it was just one of those sort of like famous app store stories that as a young upstart dev, you're like 
okay, well, I can do that. I want to do that, right? Like there must be some way that I can also have like a mega hit on my hands and somehow have millions of people playing my game. Which again, of course, that didn't happen. Uh, not even close. But <laughs> yeah, again, like I said, I mean, I was a lot more proud of that one. I did have some like, I did find a little bit of traction just just in the sense of like people who weren't friends and family, I actually saw them playing it a little bit. Like there were more users than just, you know, the 10 people I asked to try my app. Yeah. Anyway, so that was something. It was something interesting uh, to me. I was like, okay, maybe maybe there's something here I can continue to do. Basically, after that, I decided, all right, it had been about a year. It's time to get a job. I'll kind of blow through some of this pretty quickly but basically i did end up trying i continued to have that idea of like i want to be in the startup world i want to join some like high octane startup uh, and do that whole thing um so yeah i the first job i ever had without getting into too much details was just a bit of a mess it was a lot of young people who had no idea what they were doing i spent way too much time working like the the culture was very much just like you know work all day and then work all evening and then if you want work all night and then continue to work all day and and yeah that was just very much the vibe for no real reason you know in retrospect it was just like but you didn't know any better exactly it's just like okay well i guess this is how this is and and you know there were plenty of good people there and i i definitely had fun but um yeah things went nowhere there i was at so i was at this small startup for about a year and a half from there jumped to another little startup in toronto uh that one was a lot more interesting and sort of legit uh, was a little company called volley um and we basically built a sort of stack overflow adjacent it was a way for people to ask questions and get um answers from a community it was more centered around sort of like the business community like small businesses and startups and stuff and so I was sort of a, oh, and I guess one thing I should mention in both of these cases is I was the one and only iOS developer, Okay. which has kind of been a weird theme of my career is I, I've rarely had the opportunity to sort of join a big team and learn from people who know what they're doing. Like I, I came off of a year of just banging my head against books and trying to figure out how to build apps. And then I, you know, wandered into these jobs where it's just like, okay, you're the iOS developer, go and build our app. So I just continued to kind of learn by doing and had no idea really what I was doing. But that can be a good way to learn too, right? Because you kind of, oh, yeah. the amount of responsibility that you have, even if the company ultimately doesn't quite succeed, is still quite huge. And you're having to think about and deal with... Um, it's the breadth versus depth thing, right? Like yeah. at a big company, you can go really deep and learn from people and learn a, something, you know, really, really well. But oftentimes... At a big company, you're never going to look at App Store Connect or you're not going to learn about, you know, build systems or any of that stuff because yeah. that's not your responsibility. And uh, yeah, when it's all you, it's all you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I worked at Volley. I was like a fairly, fairly short stint. And then that company sort of pivoted, um, I guess, in 2015. And that's the point at which I came back to Ottawa. And yeah, then to sort of wrap up this the story of how my career has gone i i I spent a bit of time or sorry not a bit of time i spent a significant amount of time uh, about three and a half years at a company here in ottawa called shoebox which is a really cool company that basically built uh hearing tests for ipads so you know if anybody has ever had their hearing tested like gone and visited an audiologist traditionally what you do is you end up in 
this big sort of sound booth and it can be this kind of uncomfortable experience um to sort of like respond to to cues um and get your hearing tested um, but this was basically this little game you could play on an ipad you just put on a calibrated set of headphones oh. played this game and it was they were actually like this was a medical company like these were medically valid results um that you know audiologists could use to sort of modernize their practice and make it a lot cheaper but also you know we sold to there's a lot of industries where maintaining employees hearing health is really important legally and oh, so yeah, yeah. like you know like construction military a lot of companies in those types of industries um had a real interest in this type of product where they could quickly and easily test employees hearing Anyway, so yeah, there I was finally at sort of more of a, still a small company, but more of an established company, joined an existing team. And yeah, by the end of it was kind of leading the iOS side of, of that company. And then, yeah, maybe I'll sort of stop there because at that point, once I left that company, that's when I started to finally get back into independently developing apps. Yeah. Is this, is this the point when you decided to start your blog, the, uh, the like going indie blog series? Yeah, pretty much. So so I left Shoebox in the summer of 2019. I was just totally burnt out. Like just yeah, again, that was a that was a great company, great people, but I was just I was trying to do too much there for too mm. long. And I just kind of hit a wall at a certain point where it's just like I can't I can't keep doing this. Um so I just kind of quit cold turkey. I had no, you know, nothing lined up having uh quit that job. I sort of just had this idea that I could do some consulting work for a little while. And to be fair, I did have some like contacts that I, I figured I could get some work through pretty quickly. So it wasn't a complete like dive off the deep end by quitting that job. But yeah. And then I also kind of recommitted. I still had, you know, this whole time I'd had this idea in the back of my head that it'd be really nice to actually, you know, give building my own apps another go. And I kind of like started and stopped through the years, right? Like through these sort of startup years, I'd I would try to spin up my own projects and I just sort of run out of steam, don't have time to commit to it. Yeah. Don't have any idea how to actually like, you know, I had built two apps at that point. It's like, I have no idea how to market these things. I don't really know like why I'm doing this. Anyway, so I kind of, yeah, having left that job in 2019, I kind of wanted to recommit a little bit to get an app out into the world again and just, and yeah, sort of, I guess, get my name out there a little bit too, right? As like somebody who could actually um, build things as a solo developer. Yeah, that's what, so I mentioned that that blog series. You you like wrote a, a series on, <laughs> it's it's amazing and it's worth reading now. I was going back through <laughs> reading it again uh, in prep for this. And it's one, it's entertaining, but two, it's like <sighs> anybody who's done this has, obviously everybody has very different experiences, but a lot of the feelings are the same. And this, yeah. this series in particular talks a lot about the feelings of, of trying to do the whole, the whole indie thing. Um, where did the idea of doing this come from? Because like this came before, I mean, I know it came before, oh, bother your first or not your first app, but the app coming up, I guess, in the story came out, but was it, were you working on oh, bother and you started the blog series or what was the order there? Um, and I guess really the question is, why did you do it? Yeah. Oh, Bother certainly wasn't the first uh, sort of idea I had for an app to build um, in this period of time. I had actually started down a path of building a sort of, yeah, without getting into too much details, basically a sort of grocery list type of app. I had I had some interesting ideas 
that I wanted to explore just around like sort of building an app around what you already have at home, like building it around what's in your pantry and managing that rather than sort of managing recipes and, Hmm. um, you know, grocery lists specifically. Um, so I had actually like pretty seriously started down that road. I think when I started writing the blog posts, I think that is actually the app I sort of had in mind that I was actively working on. Um, yeah, to answer your question about why I started writing, um, I think like, so one part of it is just I knew I needed an actual way to reach people because I I had learned that you, you can't just not try to reach anybody and then release an app and expect it to reach somebody. I started to get more active on Twitter and I think just, yeah, from, from that lens, I figured writing about my experiences, just being honest about what I was doing might sort of draw people in a little bit, get people invested in what I was actually trying to build. So yeah, that's just kind of the like, I guess, businessy answer, but I've also always loved to write. I mean, back to school, like a big part of that weird, broad pop music literature degree was actually writing you know like i did a lot of Mm, writing in school i took a bunch of english courses and writing courses and yeah i i think i think alongside a lot of my big ideas about building my own apps over the years i had also often had these big ideas about um you know like writing for an audience having some sort of blog that had an audience um and enjoying that process so yeah it just kind of felt it felt like a natural thing to do it felt like and it just felt like a way how do I put it? I get in some ways it was almost like a, a bit of a defense because the, the tone of the tone of that blog is very much like I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't know if this is going to work. Actually, I probably think it's not going to work, but hey, we're going to give it a shot. And I think like it actually. Yeah, I think <laughs> to be if I'm being blunt, I think it was a bit of a defense mechanism, right? To just you know like, what that. <laughs> That tracks so much. I think that's part of what drew what draws people like me to both the blog, but also a lot of the stuff you do. Like your humor has that sort of like Chandler from the Friends, like (laughs) self-deprecating defense mechanism thing. Like, yeah, you almost are incapable of being sincere in a way that's very uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I mean, I'm looking for the word for I am the exact same way. Like, yeah. we're jumping ahead a little bit. But even like the way you announced up ahead was uh, something like I'm here to save the world with this <laughs> countdown app or something. And it's like <laughs> it's like you're getting out ahead of like, I'm going to say something sincere, but like, I know this is a business and please don't, yeah. you know, hate me for it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really interesting. That's yeah, funny. it's it's a really yeah, I have always found that to be a really tough balancing act, to be honest. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. So, I mean, hearing you talk about this is a familiar feeling of like, you can you can look at the world and look at the sort of business plan that you're trying to go with and be like, all right, I know what I need to do to like get attention. But then you also don't want to be that guy, you know, yeah. whatever that guy means in your head. Yeah. And it's really hard to be sincere without draping everything in apologies for being sincere. And so yeah. I think taking the like 
silly, uh, goofy approach around it lets you do that without it being annoying in the same way, which yeah. is interesting because <laughs> exactly. I feel like I'm just on the annoying <laughs> side usually, uh, where I just qualify everything too much. Right. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's a pretty solid analysis of my entire Twitter brand at this point. Um, so, okay. So before we get into, before we get into, oh, bother itself, then, uh, did it work? Like, do you feel like writing the way that you were was worth it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and for genuinely a couple of reasons, it, it did work in the sort of cynical sense that like it did, it did garner some attention. Um, specifically I, I wrote one post at, at some point about imposter syndrome, which I don't think is really even the right term for what I was writing about. But yeah, but if you want SEO, that's yeah. the word. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was basically writing about, to some extent, I'm writing about exactly what we're talking about right now. That post was very much about like the the extremely uncomfortable feeling of like trying to put yourself out there on Twitter and trying to get people's attention as somebody who's not typically an attention seeker. Anyways, and yeah, that that did garner you know some some interest. Um, so yeah, cynically, sure, I gained some followers through doing that. But genuinely, I also like actually really enjoyed that process. Um, I I wrote quite a bit um, for a while there over the span of about a year. Um, all those posts had like these very silly drawings in them. I cannot say enough. Like anybody listening, you should seriously just. I'll have a link in the show notes. <laughs> They're worth reading. They're entertaining. And if you're anything like me, at least, it's nice to see somebody else feeling the same way that you feel about these things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, well, thank you. And, and yeah, so that so they were they were just a lot of fun to write. And and to this day, I still I lament the fact that I haven't written now in about two years. Um That was gonna be my biting follow-up question is then why have you not yeah, you know, done it going forward? And the answer is literally just time. Um, I really, I really want to have been writing this whole time. I I am currently thinking about, this is jumping way ahead, but I I think I'm going to try to write something about the up ahead process. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to write about there. But basically the last post in that little blog series was, it was a, it was me writing just like very broadly about, I guess about 2020. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. All almost all of this took place in 2022. Yeah. 2020 yeah, yeah. as well. <laughs> Can't say 2022. So yeah, the last thing I wrote was basically like I just had a baby and you know, like I don't have time to do anything anymore. And yeah, hopefully I can back I can get back to it at some point. And as of now I have not gotten back to it yet, but I Yeah, it's <laughs> all cap or not all caps but exclamation point. Identity crisis. That's yeah, the, that's yeah, the that's title. The one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's when I I ended up going and getting a a real job again. Um, But anyways. Yeah, so, okay, so rewinding a little bit then. Through this process of writing these, you, sounds like, pivoted and started up a new app, which eventually became Oh Bother. So what's the the sort of story there? Yeah, so the story, that is very much a pandemic story. So basically I was, so the timing here again, I started working on this, this weird sort of grocery app idea late 2019, worked on it for a couple months. Again, I was doing a lot of consulting work at this time too. So it certainly wasn't like a, it wasn't getting a ton of time and attention, but I was chipping away at, you know, this new app idea. But then March 2020 happened, which meant that uh, my wife was working from home. So it was no longer just me, you know, alone at home every day. 
doing my work. And we found that we were stepping on each other's toes a lot, uh, right? Like just, you know, not realizing the other person was on a call and making a bunch of noise in the kitchen or just like, you know, going and, and talking to somebody right in the middle of like when they're, they're really deep in work or trying to finish a thought or whatever it might be. And yeah, I guess this sort of strange little idea just struck me and pretty quickly. Um, well, actually, maybe first I should talk about what the idea was. Basically, the, what Obother was, was a really simple way to let people know the idea was specifically your housemates, right? So your spouse or your roommates or whoever you're living with. Um, let people know when you're botherable and when you're not botherable. Yeah, I think pretty quickly, I just, I real, once that idea struck me, I sort of realized that this other app I had been chipping away at was going to take a long time. It was just, it's one of those app ideas that like, you know, I, I could have continued on it, but it probably would have taken a year plus for me yeah. to get to any sort of finish line that I would be happy it's with. It's like a mature space. So there's so many features that people consider baseline and yeah. When, yeah, when this little idea um, hit me, I just, I pretty quickly decided, you know what, I'm just going to try to build this thing in like a month. Cause I was just, I was getting a little bit impatient. I think I just wanted to get something out there again. I was trying to like build a bit of momentum with the blog and, and, and try to, yeah, just get people interested in what I was building. I didn't want to drag that out for, you know, 18 months. So yeah, I decided to just try to build this, this little thing. I basically tried to, I tried pretty hard to time box it to like a month. Like I really just poured effort into it and tried to get it out the door in a month. I think I actually managed to do it in about a month and a half, which in retrospect makes no sense. Like I don't, I don't know how I did that, especially coming off of up ahead, which took me like a year and a half. Well, this was pre baby. It was pre baby and I didn't have a full-time job at the time. So I was much more able to just kind of, yeah, put my head down and focus for big chunks of time. Oh bother was just this this fun little project. I I will say I didn't have any grand illusions with that one at all of like it catching on in any real way or making me any sort of real money. That was very much like a let's just get something out there. Let's like exercise those muscles again of like actually following something through and getting it out the door. Um and again, hopefully, you know, get get some interest, get people interested in what I was doing and like who I was as an independent developer, right? Sort of what my my sort of style was in building apps. Um, and I do think it, it largely succeeded at that. Like I was really happy with the response I got from that. So I feel like, I mean, uh, it's still in the store, right? I think I still have it on my phone. Yes. Yeah. It's still up there. I definitely feel like it established a very unique, like your unique sort of visual style and playfulness. Yeah. Cause it was one of those apps where like my wife was a teacher. It didn't necessarily, wasn't a required or useful thing for me for how I live my life, but I just loved playing with it. Like that was the thing (laughs) about it that really stood out. Um, And especially with the crowd of people who are reading your blog and our other iOS developers, it was just a very uh, inspiring, like piece of work. I don't know. I I almost called it a piece of art, which I guess is the thing I was meaning for, but I don't know. It sounds too highfalutin, but it really is. It it like you could feel the craft uh, and personality in it in a way that really, really stood out. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and yeah, that was, that was absolutely the intention. It's just like, can I, can I just narrow scope to the nth degree, just like build this tiny thing, but really, really polish the heck out of it to just sort of show myself and other people sort of, 
what I'm capable of in that in that particular aspect of of building apps, which is really like the stuff I love, right? The stuff I care about and the stuff that I think um, I've continued to kind of hone over time. So did you treat this one uh, like you, you know, you talked about you'd started the blog in part with the idea of I need to build a little bit of a, a following and like use this as a way to market something. Did you try to market this? Did you like talk to the press, uh, try to like push it out there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> short answer is no. Um, <laughs> I think the short answer is I, I basically relied entirely on on Twitter, uh, which at the time wasn't a lot, right? Like I didn't really have much of a following. Um, so yeah, no, I, I didn't really think about that too much. Um, and in fact, I think I wrote a blog post that basically just like stepped through all of the weird things that happened after I launched it that I could have handled so much better if I had like, you know, known what I was actually doing. And again, I'm not sure how much any of this stuff would have necessarily moved the needle on anything, but for example, uh, you know, somebody reached out to me midday, like, oh, bother was actually on launch day. It, it gained quite a bit of, tra of traction. It sort of went quote unquote viral in the sort of small bubble that we that we operate in. And yeah, someone messaged me at some point. I was like, hey, I just put your I just put oh, bother on product hunt. And it's like, I think it ended up like at the top of product hunt that day. And like, I didn't even do that. Right. Like I didn't craft that page at all. Yeah. I didn't get the chance to write it or like put my own screenshots in there or anything. It was just somebody who threw it up. Um, and then I kind of scrambled to, you know, try to respond to questions on there and stuff. Similar thing happened with like the, all the, uh, Apple subreddit Sunday stuff where like, I, I really dragged my feet on that and then it took hours for it to get through the mods and then it did get through, but it was like the end of Sunday at that point. And like, I, yeah, timing is, uh, well, everything with that subreddit is, it feels like luck. Uh, yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, getting it early, getting lucky that for some reason it doesn't get taken down. Yeah. But it I will say that that one, there is a potential upshot that's pretty high. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I got a little bit of traction there. But again, I just sort of didn't really, like, control that properly. Um, at some point, like, I, I wrote about the process of building this thing, and it ended up quite highly ranked on Hacker News at one point. But, like, I didn't even have a Hacker News account. And then, like, I started to try to answer questions on Hacker News, and then... I got rate limited like immediately. They were just like, you're, you're posting too many comments. So I couldn't like answer any more questions. Like it, it was just all this stuff. It was just sort of a comedy of errors and me trying to react to what had happened instead of having any cogent plan. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the learning experience, I guess I kind of, yeah, I, I, I learned what not to do um, to some extent, but again, it's it sort of, it, it also wasn't really my, my motivation wasn't really to like, you know, have a bunch of like have this sort of breakout and have a bunch of people. Use right. Because honestly, I never really had, and and I think I was right about this. I never really, I never really thought that it was an app that had legs as anything more than like, well, then what you sort of mentioned, right? As like something that is like playful and fun to play with, and it's yeah. like, oh, this is really cool, and it's like a fun idea, and it was topical, right? Because the pandemic had just started. Sure. I think that's part There's of some why novelty. It, it, yeah, it had some legs initially, but I just, aside from, you know, there are definitely some people who I think still use it today, but like, it's not the type of app that's really sticky for most people. It would be hard to build a business off of it. Exactly. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, the last thing with Obata then is uh, you got that, like Apple themselves tweeted about it, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> which is a hilarious story. Um, I'll tell it here. So this is sort of another example of me re just reacting to things happening and not having any idea what's going on. So initially I did get, get sort of the, the standard like generated email from Apple. That's like, we may feature your app in the app store. Yeah. Uh, so send us your assets. And then I'm like scrambling to download Photoshop because apparently they only accept Photoshop files and I have no idea how Photoshop works. And so I did all that stuff. I don't know that any of that was ever actually used, but then a few days later, my dad texts me and he or forwards me an email and he's like, I got this weird email about your app. I don't really know what it is. And it's just like this completely sort of unofficial looking email addressed to my dad, uh, like with his first name. It's like, hello. It's a different first name than yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's like, we're, you know, we're I don't remember what the exact wording was, but it was like, we're going to feature, um, you know, your app, oh, bother on Apple's social media um, accounts. Um, so send us a demo video that you'd like us to use. And it was just like, and it was just like, no, like no official looking anything whatsoever. It's just like some person. But the the some person had an Apple address and I looked them up on LinkedIn and managed to find them. And it was some sort of person who seemed to actually work at Apple. And I couldn't really figure out, like, it just, it looked like total spam, but I couldn't really figure out how like anyone why? would benefit yeah. from me yeah. sending them a 30 second demo of my app. <laughs> so I was just like, all right, well, first of all, I don't know why you sent this to my dad. I don't know how you know my dad's, like that, to this day, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> like no sense to me at all. Um, uh. but, <laughs> but yeah, I ended up sending them this video and then sure enough, like the next day, um, yeah, from like the app store like the official Apple App Store Twitter account uh, tweeted specifically about Obother. And I think it got posted on Facebook as well, which was really cool. You know, that that account has millions of followers. That's a pretty neat, a neat thing to have happen. Yeah, it's like ignoring whatever results that might have. It's kind of a validating feeling. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Did Now, did it have any impact on sales? Nope. Really? Like, like, really, like, really not, really not at all. I was shocked. That is very, that actually is really surprising to me. Yeah. It Now, that was a paid up front app, right? No, Bother was free. I uh, just basically had a little, like, plus tier inside and a, a tip jar. Wow. Uh, that legitimately surprises me. Yeah, it was really strange. You'd really think that, like, that that's hitting a lot of eyeballs and a lot of people are going to click through. Yeah. Like, I get that it's not, you know, it's not like a traditional marketing channel, like how many people are really following it and what level of intent would they have? But still, yeah. like just the the size of the net and what I assume being in a, a small indie app project, it's, it's not like you had this massive, you know, uh, user base. You'd think you'd notice a decent bump. That's interesting, huh? And yeah, I mean, there were certainly there was some sort of bump, but yeah, it's just like really, really not at all what I would have expected. Yeah, um, it's like interesting. A, probably a, a difference of like maybe a, a a thousand, couple thousand downloads, maybe, and certainly not translating into much in terms of in app purchases. Right. So, yeah, very, very cool. And like, I, maybe you're not like this, but the the couple of features in that vein that I've gotten before, although I've never had that, it's like. It's the type of thing that your family that isn't technical, it's, <laughs> yeah. it kind of like feels like, 
no, no, for real. Like, yeah. look, you can go to their official page and it, it has the thing that I made. Yeah, I actually do real things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so Obather, uh, definitely a success story, I would say for sure, from your perspective. There was, obviously, there was a lull. We've mentioned that you you had a baby at this point in between. But, like, did you come off of Obather saying, like, all right, I'm going to start my next thing? Or were you kind of like... I'm taking a break. I was back and forth on this a little bit, but I certainly wanted to do more with Obother than I ended up doing. I had I had plans to continue to chip away at that app for a little while, add some additional features to it. Like the specific thing that I actually got really close to finishing building and it's um I'm sad it never um got out the door, but I wanted to build some calendar integration mm. so that, you know, you could hook up at the start of the day, you could just sort of like import when your meetings were and it would automatically flip flip you from unbotherable to botherable throughout the day based on your calendar so yeah i had some ideas like that that i i wanted to continue working on so i'm trying to think about what the timeline was here again but i guess i think old bother shipped somewhere sort of like summer like early summer 2020 and yeah i became a dad in september of 2020 so there wasn't really a lot of time there before everything just kind of changed for me, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah, uh, my time kind of went out the window. Um, and yeah, I think at a certain point, I don't know exactly when, but I just kind of resigned myself to the fact that, you know what, like I think Obother's kind of fine the way it is and it's probably not something, you know, with my more limited time now, it's probably not something worth continuing to work on. Again, because like I, I had... Unlike when I actually built Obother, um, in around September of 2020, I got back into full-time work. Um, so that plus a kid was just sort of a complete change to my ability to actually do any work on that thing. So let's fast forward. So you, at that point, you know, you get back into full-time work and you're, you're doing that happily, uh, getting no sleep at all, but you have a little bundle of joy with you. So we fast forward, I guess a couple years and then how does up ahead or some kind of project end up coming into being? Were you looking for a project again or like, what's the origin story here? What is the origin story of up ahead? Uh, I think, I think I was, I was in search of a new project. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Like I said, I kind of decided to bother probably was not sort of the thing to, to, it wasn't the thing for me to try to take the next step, right. whatever like ambiguous next step that is just like in terms of trying to, you know, get more users, trying to build something better, trying to become a better independent app developer. Oh, bother probably wasn't going to be the thing to do that. So yeah, at a certain time, at a certain point, once life calmed down a little bit, I guess it was sort of summer of 2021. Yeah, I think I was pretty much just searching for a project so much that I think I, at a certain point, I actually remember like sitting down and just working on not an app like an app that didn't actually do anything i was just sort of like playing with ui and just sort of like building different sort of yeah like imagining different ways i could like style an app like sort of different like directions i could go in for like how to design you know whatever i wanted to design next without actually having any idea what it was i wanted to build but meanwhile, I guess the 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 very simple sort of origin story of up ahead is just that I have always enjoyed counting down to things. Um, I, I just find it's like a fun way to to like give the future a bit of definition, a bit of color to be like, oh, yeah, like in three days, I've got this random thing that I'm looking forward to. 
whether it's, you know, a birthday or something as simple as just like, you know, a, a hockey game I'm looking forward to watching or whatever. And so how would, would you do just, that? I would often just like have notes. Like mm. I usually use Bear for note taking, but just like a, some note app where I would just like write down things with dates on them. And that was it. And like, I, I <laughs> I'm just... imagining you have a note that's just a number and every day you'd wake up and update all your numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't that. It was just a plain list of, of yeah, like events and dates I was looking forward to. Anyways, and I think like throughout the years, I'd often gone to the app store and looked for apps that would count down to things and just, I don't know, I guess classic story of just, I was never really satisfied with anything that was out there. Um, it's an extremely busy space, yeah, um, like yeah. An extremely noisy space on the app store, but there's just so much there. There are so many of them that are full of ads. There are a lot of them that are really focused on widgets, but sort of the actual in-app experience is a little bit cumbersome and just like not really interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of them are just really old and not really maintained anymore. So anyways, I didn't just never really found anything that, that tickled me, um, so yeah, at a certain point, I was just like, well, this might be a good... I, I guess the other thing to mention is I was certainly looking for another fairly narrowly scoped project. Yeah, 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 yeah. This certainly took me way longer than I thought it would, um, but I'm also certainly glad that it was as relatively narrow in scope as it was because it took me a year and a half to get out what is, like at the end of the day, in some ways, a pretty simple countdown app, right? Like I'm not building some some huge complicated product here but like given your your sort of style keeping the scope narrow allows you to spend the obnoxious amount of time on the polish because that exactly. i mean that's like yeah. with all of your stuff it's like that's the that's what really makes it shine it's not the amount of features it's how well they're done yeah. And so, and so, yeah, I think, I think I just sort of thought like a countdown app was a good vehicle for that. Right. It's just like a slightly larger in scope than Obother. bother. Um, also probably quite a bit more useful. Like it felt more like the kind of app that actually might have legs. I mean, the existence of a market kind of uh, exactly. proves that out. Yeah. So obviously the challenge there is actually getting noticed, which we can get into right. later. But yeah. It felt like a good vehicle for that, for that next step to allow me to really polish things up, um, explore some interesting ideas around like a pretty simple core. So did you have an initial hook? I mean, I can already see the description of Bear being a list of your events and then what sort of the main skeleton of, of up ahead is. It was that kind of the initial idea of what differentiated it? Yeah, the first thing that sort of piqued my interest in thinking through this and thinking through what it could be and what could make it interesting um, was sort of that main timeline view. At least all countdown apps I've ever seen, the, the sort of in-app experience is really just, here's a list of all the events you've created um, that you can then, you know, spin widgets out of or whatever. And for me, I guess, I, I think part of the reason I used my silly note instead of putting widgets on my home screen is because I think what I actually liked was not just knowing that there are X days until this event I'm looking forward to, but being able to look at the future more holistically, like look at the next up ahead, you might say. 
yeah, <laughs> look up ahead at the next three weeks and be like, oh man, there's like six things that I'm looking forward to in the next three weeks. And here's how they all fit in together, right? And oh, these are like back to back to back. That's going to be an awesome three days. That quickly became, I think, the sort of first differentiator for me. The first thing that I was trying to do is that timeline view that you see in Up Ahead Now that actually shows you visually sort of how many days are passing between events and gives you this really sort of attractive way to actually scroll through your future events and also scroll through your past events too, you know, to sort of look back on um, on some of the fun things you'd done over the past month or whatever it might be. So yeah, you sort of just glossed over it, but the gap between the events being different depending on the realistic gap. Where did that idea come from? I think the very first screenshot I ever saw when you were working on this had that in there and it was kind of like a, oh, like mind blowing <laughs> kind of feeling. Uh, it's a simple concept, but... Yeah, I I don't know exactly. Um I think I think I was just playing so here's what I will say. I can remember playing with a few different UI ideas that weren't that before settling on that. But we're sort of versions of that. I can remember trying to mess around with like what was I trying to do? I was trying to like draw lines be so the events were stacked vertically, but I was trying to like just draw lines between them, but if they were if they were further apart, I was drawing like loopy lines, like have, having them sort of loop around to sort of kind of like um, uh, how messages does. Yeah, exactly. I think I was. Yeah, I was thinking about that a little bit. But no, to be honest, I don't really know exactly where that idea came from. Um, at some point, I, it probably just occurred to me, oh, it'd be cool if like there was actually if this wasn't just a normal list, if you could actually if, if, it, if there was some visual interest in here. And it was tricky to get right at first because initially I just sort of naively tried to, you know, do something where it's like, okay, well, it, so if you look at the gaps between events and up ahead, there's like these little segment, these line segments, they're kind of like dashed lines, right? And I was like, okay, well, I guess maybe I could have each dash be worth a day. Mm. But then immediately you're like, okay, well, that's going to be a terrible experience. Cause like if I, if the first event I input is like a birthday that's coming up in 200 days, well, <laughs> that's kind of a silly uh, scrolling experience. So yeah, I had to kind of hone, hone that or yeah, figure that out, figure out how to um, balance that where you have that visual separation, but it doesn't create just this sort of like silly, annoying experience. Nice. Okay, so you have the idea of a countdown app. You noodle on kind of a, a general design. And then you said you spent a year on this. What was, I mean, that initial thing seemed like that happened pretty quick. This is me bringing some insider information in here. Yeah. Uh, but the year was a pretty long process of continual advancement. What's like, let's kind of like walk through a little bit. Uh, how that went what what was it that took so long yeah <laughs> if only i knew <laughs> that, that sounded more tacky than i meant it <laughs> what indeed oh my gosh um yeah it's it's honestly it's painful to look back at i don't think it's my pinned tweet anymore i probably changed it when we launched but for a long time the the my initial sort of announcement tweet of like, it's the thing you mentioned earlier, I'm going to save the world by building a countdown app. Um, if you look at the screenshot attached to that, it looks really similar to what up ahead ended up being, right? And so like on the surface, it's really painful to look at that and go like, I got to basically the entire timeline, like that whole thing was built 
at least at least yeah on a surface level in like two weeks um i was very excited and i was like yeah like look at all this progress i'm making and this is going to be another oh bother right like i'm gonna have this thing out in two months and why did it take so long again just time uh full-time job evenings and weekends kid uh there's just not a lot of time to do this stuff there were large stretches of time where i just you know wasn't making that much progress um because it's hard to balance all the things you want to do in life yeah but yeah more concretely i certainly wrangling dates is difficult that takes time (laughs) so i hear yeah so like it's one thing to stand up a ui to the extent that you can take a screenshot of it and post it to twitter and get some likes on it um but it's another thing to actually make sure all of those weird edge cases are working properly how are you handling recurring events and um how are you handling uh multi-day events and what if an event has a time set and one of it doesn't what if the start date has a time set but for some reason the end date doesn't what if an event doesn't have an end date and like and and how do you actually order your timeline in such a way that that always sort of feels organic and makes sense um which if that's something if you've used up ahead and you haven't thought about that too much then hopefully i've done my job right because that's yeah. that's sort of the goal right You're is that it should the all complexity. just feel yeah um but yeah that's not a trivial thing to get right um but then i think the other thing is to like honestly we talked about obother earlier and how it was kind of this cute little app it was very polished um on the other hand I do look at that app now and there there are a lot of parts of that app that to my eyes was weren't particularly polished and I do think like I I I took a big extra step with up ahead where with oh bother there were parts of it where I was just like okay this is good enough going to move on I'm trying to you know I'm trying to time box this I'm trying to get it at the door right and I think with up ahead I I really just tried really hard to never do that. I really tried hard with up ahead. Every sort of new feature I built, every new screen I built, I was really trying to kind of start from, I don't know, from first principles, I guess, if I can say that, and and figure out like, how do I make this particular thing interesting? How do I make it actually fun, right? How do I how do I tell people how to use widgets? Yeah, and that's where make I was gonna go. Fun. <laughs> if anybody um, listening uh, has not looked at the widget settings <laughs> for up ahead, it is ridiculous in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, I think I think it's just like the reason it took time is because every every individual piece took time, right? It's just like I, I was spending a long time thinking through every screen. How do I want my settings to work? How do I I want the filtering to work. How do I, I, I iterated a lot on event creation, right? Like how do I make sure that creating events feels uh, quick and easy and fun without, but also powerful enough to not feel, you know, like there's still, there's still, you still want to give people control there, right. right? Like they're still controlling what icon they want to use and have some pretty like meaningful controls around dates and the patterns. And so there's a, yeah, I, I certainly iterated on that a lot. So yeah, short answer is I just think every piece of that app just took time. Every time I thought, oh, this will be an easy screen. This will be something I can just like bang out quickly. That was never true. I always ended up, you know, pushing myself to do something a little bit different. What was your uh, like test flight uh, beta strategy for this? Were you seeding it out to a lot of people early on or small group of people or? Uh, short answer is the the test flight stayed pretty small until the very, very end. I just very slowly 
brought more people in as I went. I think I just worried about a couple things with the test flight that probably weren't particularly well-founded. Um, but I was very cautious not to bring too many people in too quickly. One, because I just didn't want to, I didn't want to accidentally, accidentally break a bunch of people's apps. I really wanted to make sure that like when a lot of people had their hands on a beta, I was I wanted to make sure I was confident that I could like transition them onto the real app and not like break their data. Yeah. You know, accidentally be like, oh, oops, uh, all your data is gone. You're going to have to start again. For So for a long time, I was just worried about that. And I don't think that ever happened. Yeah, I wanted to make sure it was I kept it in a small enough circle that if I had to completely break something, you know, because I realized the data model was sort of fundamentally flawed or something like that, that I that I felt like I could. Anyway, so yeah, so I slowly just kind of opened it up round by round to people who were showing particular interest and mostly to people who I did have some some. Uh, like familiarity with right. people who I had sort of established connections with in the past, um, mostly through Twitter. Um, but yeah, then right at the end, I just kind of, uh, I don't think I was really planning to do this until close to the end. In fact, I think at one point I announced on the up ahead Twitter, I was like, I'm not going to do a public beta. Like I'm just going to push to release this thing. So stay tuned. But then at a certain point I would, yeah, I, I guess I just changed my tune and I was like, all right, I, I should probably actually just, get some people to exercise this a little bit before I press the launch button. So yeah, open it up pretty widely in a few waves and very glad I did. Uh, it was super helpful. Like I got a lot of good feedback, managed to fix a lot of little bugs uh, that I probably wouldn't have caught otherwise. And I do think it created some excitement, like some buzz, right? To sort of have those waves of seats opening up. Yeah, it definitely seemed like even during the phase before you opened it up, because I mean, I've talked about it on this and I've talked about it with you. I, I'm a big fan of the the big beta test flights just in terms of trying to garner some attention leading up to a launch there was a lot of like buzz in the like what is this thing or how do i get access and every time you tweet something people would be very excited and you know want to know what the app was and so it, it is interesting i do think part of that works because your app is so unique i mean just looking at even a visual picture of it uh it definitely stands out but yeah it was an interesting it was interesting to see how that all played out but i'm glad to hear that opening it up uh, beforehand, at least bared some fruit. Yeah. And I mean, I think the other, if I'm being honest too, I think the other fear I had, again, probably, probably not well-founded, but um, I think I was just, I, you know, I saw some of that momentum. I saw some of that energy. And I think part of, part of me just worried that like, if I just opened up a public beta with 10,000 seats, everybody would get it and look at it and go like, oh, cool, a countdown app. And then all that energy would kind of dry up. Yeah. But that's a, but I, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm certainly not convinced that I'm right about that. You know, it, it could have the total opposite effect, right? Maybe that creates a network effect and all these people are talking with other people about this cool app that they're on the beta of. And I know a lot of people have had success doing betas like that in the past. So I think for me, ultimately, I just kind of, I was just following my nose a little bit. It was just like, yeah. what do I, what do I feel most comfortable with? And for most of development, I just, yeah, I, I felt more comfortable keeping it small um, just to kind of guard myself a little bit from, yeah, either breaking things for everybody or losing the momentum I had. So there's a bunch of features that I would love to talk about uh, that we definitely don't have time for. But one thing I do want to like touch on, though, is the whole the whole pattern thing and like the unlock system that you built around that. Where did where did that idea come from? Or I guess explain what it is first. Yeah, the patterns in in up ahead, I think are, 
I think are probably the most interesting hook and, and ended up being sort of the most interesting differentiator, I guess, in this app. Basically, the way it works is, um, you know, so when you create an event, when you first open the app, you can you set a name, you set a date, you set a color, you choose an icon, um, you get these nice little sort of bubbly uh, events on your timeline. But then what can happen, usually driven by the content of your event's name. So for example, if you type in uh, Charlie's birthday, then you'll get this pop-up that says, hey, congrats, you unlocked a new pattern um, and you'll unlock a birthday pattern. And basically what that'll be, I don't exactly remember what's on the birthday pattern, but it's sort of like a, it's like a wallpaper that you can apply to your events, right? So it's a few different icons sort of randomly arranged and sized. Um, and it just, it adds a bunch of visual interest to your events. Yeah, so that's what patterns are. Um, and, and yeah, you can unlock them in a few different ways. Like I said, uh, often they're triggered by the content of your events or even sometimes the date of your events. Like there's actually a whole bunch of different potential triggers, a lot of which I'm not even really using right now, but I have lots of ideas for how I can use different um, triggers in the future. But then there's also a whole other set of patterns that'll just unlock more based on sort of an achievement system, right? So when you create your first three events, you unlock a pattern. And then I think after that, once you hit 10, you unlock another pattern. Once you hit 20, you unlock another pattern. And there's a there's a few other types of achievements as well. So it basically just continues. The idea is as you use the app without even really thinking too much about it, you should fairly frequently, at least at first, get these little hits of like, oh, I just unlocked a new pattern. That's awesome. And you can apply it to that event and then you can use it as much as you want after that. And like you say without trying too hard, but... One thing uh, just from talking to you, I already know is there are there are a lot of people who do try very hard <laughs> and have already treated it like a game to be beaten. Yeah, I won't reveal how many patterns there are in total right now, but I know I think the highest I've seen is somebody told me that they had unlocked 55, which is like completely out of control. And this was in <laughs> within a few days. Like I have no idea how they managed to find all these. They must have just spent hours. No, and that's not all of them. Is that correct? That's not all. Of them, oh, no. okay. Uh, there you go. So whoever whoever uh, <laughs> that person is, there's still more out there. Anyways. Yeah. So, so that's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Okay. So you're spending all this time making, you know, the ludicrously polished and delightful to use app. You have a test flight. You've got a little bit of buzz. You already have somewhat of a following just from, you know, your time writing and all of that. Now we're getting to launch day. What was kind of your plan going into that? There's a couple of things. I'll say. I, so I think one thing I'll say up front is I think I started to really burn myself out on this app at a certain point pretty late. Um, like, I think I did a fairly good job of keeping it together for the most part over a pretty long development process, um, but it was slow and it can be really hard. I find it can be really hard, like psychologically, when you really want to finish something and you just like every day that goes by and you don't make progress, you're really aware of the fact that you didn't make progress that day. Mm. And that's like a really exhausting feeling to have day after day after day. Uh, I say that just to say that I think by the time I got, I finally got to like, okay, I can actually launch this thing. I just don't think I had a lot left in the tank to really put serious effort in a way that I hadn't in the past into like launching this thing and marketing it. I, I did a few things like like we talked about. I, I opened the beta up pretty widely, so started to get some interest there. I opened it up for pre-order as well, which was kind of an interesting 
thing. Uh, it's sort of a, it's an app store feature where basically you can, even though the app is free to download, you can allow people to sort of get in there ahead of time and pre-order it so that on the day that the app is released, it'll automatically download to people's phones. So again, that was just a nice way to kind of point people in the direction of the app. And kind of the the like little secret there is you can push updates while after you've already like released the app right yeah which feels like a weird loophole in (laughs) in app store connect because as far as i know typically like if you're just if you've got a build that's been reviewed and is ready to be released you can't you can't like push you can't sort of fix something without actively and push a new build without actively rejecting that build that's been reviewed and when you have something up for pre-order, that's not the case. I was able to just like start working on new builds, fix little issues, get those reviewed while my 1.0 was still waiting in the like ready to be released state. Um, so that was really handy. But yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the other thing that kind of hurt me on launch is, again, I was just, I didn't want to delay launch because I was just so exhausted by the whole thing. But I had launched like right after iOS 16 came mm, out. Yeah. And so from a press point of view, that that was not a good move. Um, it wasn't the same week as iOS 16, right? No, I think it was the following week. But it meant that like when I would, or yeah, it was close to it, a week or two after. And it meant that when I was reaching out to press and trying to get some interest on that angle, I think I think those slammed. folks were just like, yeah, they were <laughs> they were busy dealing with much more important things, yeah. right? So, so I ended up getting some press coverage, but it was like, it was sort of last minute press coverage where they were reacting to the fact that, oh, there's this app out that people are talking about. So let's quickly write something about it. And yeah, I wasn't really able to kind of set that up um, in the way that I would have liked. So anyway, yeah, I relied mostly on on Twitter. Um, the, thankfully, the, the, app, the app Twitter account itself did really well over time, just like gaining followers. Um, it's a, it, like... It, yeah, there's a good number of people who were specifically invested in when this app was going to come out. And so, yeah, there was just like a lot of energy around that. I posted it on Product Hunt. That didn't do too much. But again, it's just like all these little avenues that I yeah people tend to go. But yeah, I didn't I didn't put too much more effort into it beyond that. So then how how did the launch go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it hit expectations. Uh, yeah, I was I basically what I was looking for here. And I think I think this was kind of true when I built Obother as well. What I was ultimately looking for was a really solid reason to continue building this thing. A, a way that I could justify to myself that this is going to be, you know, all having spent all this time putting into it, having put all of this time into it up to this point, can I justify continuing to put time into it? Um, and I think, oh, bother, ultimately, the answer was no. And I think with Up Ahead, the answer so far has been yes. Um, launch went really well. I've been really excited by how many people, basically how many people have converted, like how many people have downloaded the app and are excited enough about it to actually purchase a subscription um, or even purchase, a, make a lifetime purchase, which, by the way, that was like a, a uh, late, 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 like 1.02. Like I had already put up my 1.0 for review and somehow finally I convinced myself that I should probably add a lifetime purchase because enough people just just through the pre-order, just from people going to the App Store to pre-order and like scrolling Looking down to read the fine like print. Super hidden thing that Apple exactly. does not want anybody to actually look at. Yeah. 
and people were noticing, oh, this is subscription only and reaching out to me and being like, hey, like, can you add a lifetime option? Um, and initially I, I felt uncomfortable about doing that because basically because of what I was just saying, which is that my, my approach to releasing this app was I want to see if I can justify continuing to work on it, which means that for me, there's a chance that I won't. Right. There, for me, right. there's a chance that this thing, maybe this fizzles out. I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to keep working on it for a little while, but maybe, I mean, put it this way. Maybe it won't, maybe I won't still be working on this app three years down the road. Right. Which is, which tends to be the lower limit on like the lifetime purchase multiplier. Right. Like people usually say like yeah. at least three X your annual price. Often people say four or five or six. So I, f- I felt uncomfortable about that for a while, but I think ultimately where I've landed is just sort of a shift of perspective there, which is that like often people, (laughs) how do I put it? I I don't think lifetime probably isn't the best word for that. Unfortunately, that's just the word that people look for. But I think really what people are paying for there is just like the freedom to not have to worry about a subscription. And also it gives people the ability to support me more up front, right? Like financially that actually helps quite a bit. If people want to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to basically pay for three years of this app right now instead of paying for it month by month or year by year. That's actually sort of a, a show of support, right? That I that I sort of started to realize a lot of people actually want want to be able to do. So where was I with that? I kind of went on a tangent there. I really like that framing because I, I feel like you're having the exact same feelings I have, but coming to a different conclusion. Because I've always been afraid of subscription because... You know, dark noise is not my full-time job. It's not what I spend all my time on. And I'm afraid of the idea of having a sort of a, is it Damocles? Is that what that's called? Like the thing, you know, a thing around your neck that like people are paying me monthly for this or yearly for this. I need to be continuing to add value. But I don't have that feeling. Now, dark noise is just paid up front. But like, like you said, there's an assumption with some people at least that when you pay up front that this will be supported for at least a while and i've never really thought about that and especially if you have the subscription sitting right there next to it lifetime certainly gives an impression that like this will be supported uh for some time whereas maybe paid up front there's a little bit more of that safety net of like you're paying for what it is now and not necessarily what it'll be in the future exactly but yeah i've never really thought of that and i guess the idea was in your head that if you realize that this wasn't going to be worth your time or whatever, that you could, you can always turn the subscription piece off and then make it just a paid up front or not paid up front, but a single price or whatever. Well, but also people can cancel their subscriptions, right? Oh, yeah. like that's yeah. the thing, Touché. right? Like, <laughs> right. So just like hypothetically, if I decide a year and a half in that, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to wind down support for this app. Which again, at this point, I I absolutely don't think that's the case. Like, just to reiterate, like, launch has gone well, and I'm really excited to keep building this thing. Um, but you know, in that situation, while it means that monthly subscribers, if they want, can just stop right yeah. away, and annual subscribers, right. they've only paid for two years, right? And if they're still getting value out of it, then they can just exactly keep using. So it yeah. sort of no, that keeps the ball in the user's court. I, that's I like that. I don't know. I it's it's funny hearing you describe it that way because it's the same insecurities. Uh, but yeah, manifested sort of a different way. Um. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, all that to say, uh, I guess the other thing I, I wanted to mention on that, which I, I just, 
I just found sort of shocking, frankly, is just the the percentage of people that are actually willing to pay um, lifetime for an app like this. Um, I think it's just been a good lesson for me in the very self-evident but not always intuitive idea that like my purchasing behavior is not is not represent not always representative of people's purchasing behavior right like for me the just the reality for me is like if somebody on twitter was you know hyping up this new app for a year and a half that they only worked on in evenings and weekends and they finally shipped it and it's a countdown app like personally i, I don't know well, let me be careful about this. If it's an independent developer I want to support, for sure I'll go and support them. But like, just generally speaking, that that type of situation is not the type of situation where, yeah, I'll spend like forty dollars and hope that you know I continue to get value out of this app, just like at the at the drop of a hat, right? I think you hit it though. You just hit it right there, which is like, you're thinking these random people on Twitter, why are they supporting me? But then exactly. when you reverse it and you're yeah. like, oh, you know. Uh, I won't give any specific examples, but yeah, like a people that you know and respect, it's like yeah. even because I've definitely done that where I've bought lifetime versions of people's apps that I, I don't really intend to necessarily use. I just really like the work that they do and I'll probably use it sometimes and I want them to be successful in this thing and keep going. Yeah. And lifetime is honestly a lot of times better for that because then it's not a subscription sitting there and I'm like, ah, oh, I should probably cancel that because I don't yeah. really use this, but it's a person I like and I want, you know, yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, and I think the other thing too, that is just, that I think is still just true is that I think software like this is severely undervalued, generally speaking, right? Like in a certain way, I don't like, I guess my my fear was like, it, I thought that most people would absolutely balk at like spending $30, 30 US dollars, which here is like 40 bucks um, on a countdown app, right? Like that just, that my fear was that that, that that would sound ridiculous to, you know, 99% of people. But then, yeah, I guess all I'm trying to say is on the other hand, like, I don't think it's ridiculous. Like, I know it's not ridiculous because I've spent yeah. hundreds and hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of hours building this thing, right? Like it's, this stuff takes time and i think apps i mean uh, we all know this but apps i think for a long time have been severely sort of devalued because of trends in sort of like freemium models and trends in you know just like free apps that sell your data to make money and all that stuff that we don't need to get into but and just the concept of value for digital goods is really complicated to like comprehend yeah, because at a certain scale, it's not devalued. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe that. But yeah, software is weird. Um, or digital goods of any kind are weird. And you can make a lot of money or a little money, and it doesn't equate to the cost to making it in a way that, you know, manufacturing pencil erasers has a cost. You know what I mean? Like, there's, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Which is why it's then so frustrating when you get those inevitable one-star reviews that are just like, this is a scam. How could you charge this much money for, you know, a countdown app? Like, it's like, I, I'm probably, I'm probably making like 70 cents an hour yeah. on the work I've done right now. Like, <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, but that's just the way it is. So then how, how, uh, let's see. So 
from a press angle, you mentioned that you did get some press. How how did that end up going? I know there was a nine to five uh, article. Yeah, I got a quick nine to five article. I think I think there were a couple other. The, the funny thing is, like personally, I'm just not even that plugged into a lot of these sort of press outlets. Um, I probably should be more so in order to keep track of these things. Um, but yeah, I think there was a write up on I'm more. The thing that moved the needle the most um, in terms of, I mean, this isn't press, but in terms of sort of like external, uh, yeah, external people writing about or hyping up the app is there's a, there's this Twitter account. Uh, the, the account's name is Basic Apple Guy. And he's just got a bunch of followers. Anyway, he's, a, he's actually... I don't really know who this person is, but uh, they're Canadian. Um, oh. And somehow, uh, you know, this person stumbled across uh, up ahead and was just totally enamored with it and ended up tweeting about it a couple times, um, ended up writing this really nice, uh, like really well-written review about it. You know, to take nothing away from sort of the the typical press reviews that you sometimes get with this stuff, like often they're fairly quick, right? Like, you know, a site like 9to5 writes about a lot of stuff. And so often it's just a quick like, hey, there's a new app here. Here's what it does. But this was a like a very sort of loving blog post about actually how up ahead works and, and what this person likes about it. Um, anyways, and this person has a huge Twitter following. So that really helped move the needle and give me sort of a second uh, spike in terms of downloads. Um beyond the initial launch day. So that was cool. And and it's also just nice to, yeah, it's really nice and validating to read something like that, to read somebody who's really putting the time into... And gets it, recognizes the details you put in. Yeah, and I guess that that's the key too, right? It's like, it's somebody who's, to go way back to the start of our conversation about the app where I was saying that I was coming at this app from a specific angle, which is like, I, I don't just want countdowns on my home screen. I want a, I want a a more holistic view of like my timeline of good things. And so, yeah, it's really cool when somebody seems to um, get that and like that really resonates with them. That's awesome. So you mentioned that was a sort of a secondary bounce. So presumably you had the typical launch, you know, spike. Um, This is a subscription app. So like you do have recurring revenue, but obviously downloads and stuff is still going to have that giant spike. How, how have things gone since then? We're what? A couple of weeks out actually i could look at my up ahead to see exactly when <laughs> yeah we're almost three weeks out now three weeks out okay yeah so how's it how's it been going kind of since then yeah i mean i don't know how how into the details i want we want to get here but um i guess how it impacts you moving forward like you mentioned it's worth yeah working on and then you kind of doubled down on that so basically i have been i've been pleasantly surprised by um by the tail, I guess, right? Like by by how frequently people still seem to be discovering and ultimately paying for the app. It's an indication that you've tapped into that existing market and not just, you know, your following slash tech Twitter. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. That's something that I, I still don't know. And that's certainly the, that's the next step for me. Like beyond the, the development work that I have left to do, um, there's a lot of stuff I want to do um, a lot of features I want to add to the app, but I don't, I'm not convinced yet that I've really, I don't know what the right like analogy is here, but although the tail has been long, I'm not convinced that it is flat yet. I think mm. it's still like, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure that I have actually sort of hit that point where 
things are actually going to flatten and maybe start to like go up again, right? Like I don't think I've re- certainly in terms of like app store optimization and stuff like I, I'm not there yet, right? Like there are so many apps, um, you know, so many countdown apps that are ranking above me in you know, anything you would search for. So, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, I guess like I have been heartened, yeah, by just how many people still seem to be discovering it. But it it seems to me like that's still largely either word of mouth or just sort of like still sort of Twitter bubble mm-hmm. um, sort of fringes. Um, and yeah, and the and the the really exciting thing for me now is just that like relative relatively speaking i don't have like a ton of downloads yet like in other words i know there's a ton of untapped yeah. potential here right like right. and the, and the challenge is, is just yeah the tam <laughs> is large and and my slice of that right now is is minuscule like yeah. it's 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 negligible and so i'm really excited to like i yeah i know there's something there i know there's like a piece of that pie that i can go and grab and i'm especially heartened by the fact that you know the people who are finding this many of them are actually converting and are and are leaving really good reviews and are giving me good feedback like there's there's something here there's excitement here and so i just i need to go and find more eyeballs now yeah interesting yeah i guess uh, like getting those download numbers conversions and good reviews all of that stuff's presumably going to help your app store optimization have you have you gotten any like apple features yet or gotten on any lists or anything like that what's funny is i i didn't even realize i had in fact i think at some point like you know we were talking and and you asked me like oh do you have any features and i was like no like weirdly i don't but i just like wasn't looking properly like i i don't know i don't even know what i did like i was using one of these tools and i didn't anyways it it, it so happens that yes the app was on a few of these lists I don't know. What do you do? You do you think those lists do anything at this point? I think certain lists make a huge difference. I think certain lists can, and that's the trick. I think so. And this is me, a very much not expert that should not be broadcasting my opinions to lots of people <laughs> as if I know what I'm talking about. But here we go. I think, like for example, in for dark noise. I knew it was, it's a similar thing, right? It's a white noise app. There's a trillion of them all with their own different things. Some of them do stuff way better than me. Some of them are old, whatever. I knew it was going to be hard to compete on pure keywords and doing all of that, right? Because there's so many of them. But if you search the word white noise, there's a list or a couple, depending on how you do your query and where you're at, that are like, relaxing sleep sounds and it's a curated list by apple i had that as like an explicit goal because i was like that feels like a cheat code to like rank higher because if i search that sure dark noise might not show up at the top but that list shows and a lot of people will click on that and so i presume countdown apps might have similar things like that but that almost feels like that type of thing's important potentially yeah um and then the other one is like new versions of iOS, if you get in the on the like great apps for dark mode or whatever this is, great apps or whenever the dynamic island uh, support comes in, presumably right. they'll have a list for that. And if you can get in on that, which of course is maybe it's a fool's uh, folly. I don't know what the right word is to spend all your time trying to go for those because it's like there's ten apps and through no fault of your own you might not get chosen, but I've definitely felt the effects for long periods of time, not just during that week 
of being in those lists. So I do think there's a lot of value. And I think a lot of that, if you build up, if you build a good app, maintain a strong reputation and good reviews, I think those just kind of come and you can't yeah. play the game going for them, or at least I don't know how to. Yeah. So the way I'm thinking about it right now along those lines is just, yeah, my understanding of it is the same as you. So, so yeah, just to complete that last point, like, yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of those lists can be valuable. I think the ones that are like, when you're, you know, like three swipes in on like the new and noteworthy utilities page, you know, like it's just like there are certainly a lot of a lot of those sort of automated lists that I don't think move the needle at all anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, there are definitely there are definitely some that do. I think the hidden thing is is the fact that the, some of those will show up in search results. I think can yeah. make them have a bigger impact than it seems like at first blush. But so, yeah, I mean, so I think. I think my my goal now um, is I'm not gonna not gonna worry about that too much. I think the best thing I can do at this point is keep building, is keep updating the app, right? Like keep it active, um, keep talking about it, keep trying to organically, you know, have people find it. But I think my sense with those sort of app store features is, um, well, like you said, I think they can sort of come with time, right? Like if if you can sort of show. Um, whether you're showing somebody curating something or just showing an algorithm that like the app is active, that you're actively updating it, that you're continuing to get good reviews, right? That like, you know, I think there's just sort of a certain like profile of these types of apps that, yeah, that Apple wants to um, sort of surface in those lists. Well, when we use the word Apple often as a entity, as if it's a singular thing, but I, exactly. I think a yeah. lot of those... I don't know this at all for like a fact, but my understanding through grapevines is that like, there's, there's kind of a like nomination thing that can happen internally. And I think that's part of why building up that reputation using like Apple's APIs. Well, those types of things will increase the chance that somebody internally will notice and like your app and nominate it. And if multiple people are nominating it from multiple angles, maybe it's more likely it it comes back to sort of the cliche of like, if you build a good thing, you don't automatically get anything. But over time, your odds definitely are higher than if you're building a sort of crummy thing. So, yeah, I mean, so look out for <laughs> live activity coming up ahead. Dynamic Island, <laughs> yeah. just going to sit there the entire time counting down to your birthday, whether you like it or in not. Seconds. It's always uh, going to be active in the Dynamic <laughs> Island. Okay, that it's it like forming into a feature request in my mind now. That would be interesting, right? Is like because once you get close, it would be kind of fun, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know what it. <laughs> maybe it would get maybe. you uh, a decent amount of retweets. Maybe more yeah. important than you know being in actually uh, uh, functional. Yeah, maybe I'll just design it and tweet a screenshot of it, and that'll be enough. Okay, so last thing I I actually just noticed this the other day. You you tweeted out a. I don't want to call it a roadmap because that's the wrong word because similar to, I think some themes we've talked about here. Um, I'm guessing that as a result of you not wanting to overcommit yourself, you didn't put a timeline or even a specific order on it, but you sort of tweeted out a list of the different ideas that you're sort of mulling over. What was the, what was kind of the thought process behind that? I think so. Part of it is just that I, I've gotten a lot of feedback through a whole bunch of different channels, right? Like email and Twitter mostly 
and a lot of the feedback was was very similar right like a lot of feedback was touching on a lot of these features that i already kind of knew like i had in the back of my mind as like things i wish i could have gotten into v1 and i definitely like to get too soon um and so to some extent this was just a nice way to um sort of broadcast to i guess not everybody who's giving me feedback but certainly a good chunk of the people who have given me feedback because i think the people who have given me feedback are often the folks who you know are on Twitter, like following right. the up ahead account, like I really invested in the app and have been for a while. Um, so this is a way to sort of let everybody know in one fell swoop that, you know, I hear you and here's, you know, I agree with you and here are a bunch of the things um, I want to do. Yeah, I think I think the other thing is just I, I guess I, I wanted to, how do I put it? I, I'm hoping to keep the excitement and the engagement up to some extent. I guess that's sort of where it comes from is that I, I want to, my goal here while, while pacing myself and not completely, completely burning myself out, my goal is to keep sharing what I'm working on. Um, like I've been doing this whole time, right? Like that's very much been like the whole reason up ahead built the moment, whatever momentum it did is because I was, I was very forthcoming about, you know, sharing things often on Twitter and stuff. So I just wanted to establish that, like, I want to keep doing that. And yeah, and here are some things you can look for. And yeah, I just thought it'd be a good way to kind of pull people in, make them feel like they're, you know, even though we're past launch now, like you can still sort of be a part of this. You're sort of like, welcome into the club. I still want to hear your feedback, right? Um, yeah, so I guess that was the general thinking. Honestly, I didn't think too hard about it. It just sort of felt like a, a fun little thing to do. We have definitely gone uh, a decent <laughs> amount of time here. Which I'm, I'm glad we had time to do that. But I'm not going to let you go without asking the question I ask everybody, which is, uh, so what is a person or people out there that have inspired you that you'd recommend others check out? There's a ton, obviously. Uh, this is always a, a tough question because there's so many, there are so many folks, again, like largely through Twitter for me who have um, really inspired me. It's been really interesting to watch a lot of people's journeys doing very similar things to the type of stuff I'm trying to do. I will, I think one person I'll, I'll call out just because I think it's sort of the independent app that is closest in spirit, at least design wise to a lot of the work that I like to do. And that's Brian Mueller's carrot. I, 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 you know, I know that's a very popular app. That's certainly not a deep cut by any stretch, but the thing that really inspires me about his work and the thing that I strive to do in my work is the way that balances being a good platform citizen building apps that feel like ios apps while also just like being chock full of personality and interesting ui decisions and color and fun and and that's uh, you know up ahead definitely strives to do exactly that it's a really delicate balance right of like traditionally i mean every developer at some point has said what if I'm, I'm trying to do what Apple would do if they built XYZ and that can take the form of, you know, it looks like the settings app, right? Which is yeah. what Apple would really do. But you can also like people would describe carrot that way to certain degrees. If you're looking at the actual features and the support and the system integrations it has, right? It does what you expect it to do as a, as a platform citizen while also <laughs> being completely insane in the best way possible. And yeah, that those are the apps that really, at least for me, probably in part as a, you know, iOS developer, those really like hit home. Yeah. One more, one more personal call it quickly is, uh, 
Mustafa's task app. Um, I've just been really, so he, I, th- I think that app was launched like not long after, uh, Oh Bother. I want to say it was like June, 2020 or something when he launched that. And again, it was just like, as far as I understand, it's just a solo effort. Um, it was sort of the beginning this thing out of nothing. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so, yeah, that's, that's the part that is inspiring to me. It's just like how, how far it seems like he's been able to take that and, Again, my understanding is he's actually got multiple folks working with him now on that thing. And yeah, that's just like a, he's really managed to turn that into a snowball that that has continued to roll. And it's a great app. And it's just I think, again, that's actually another good example of just like great platform citizen, but with some you know really nice design touches. So, yeah, just been really inspired over this whole time where I've kind of like I've gone up and down on no bother and had a kid and, you know, had these times where I was totally not doing anything and then ramped up on up ahead and got it launched. He's just been like making this thing happen. Um, and it's pretty cool to see. Those are excellent. And I very much share in those feelings. I will, I will try to wrap this up so you can uh, go to sleep. Cause I know it's late <laughs> over there. I mean, it's almost late over here. Um, so where can people find you and your work and your blog that you're about to, you know, kick off uh, yeah, right hopefully. away? People should look forward to that. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter uh, at Daniel M. Gautier. Uh, if you don't know how to spell that, I assume it'll be in the show notes. The blog is DanielGautier.me, I believe. Anyway, yeah, those are the two places you can find me. Yes, it is. And the Up Ahead app specifically on Twitter is, I believe, at the Up Ahead app. Awesome. Well, thank you. For coming on this was really fun uh i mean <laughs> as shown by me maybe taking it too long but uh, <laughs> i've been looking forward to this for a really long time i like i've tried i i have a problem with gushing over apps a lot on this but this <laughs> app in particular from the first time you sent me one of those screenshots people like who followed me for a long time know that i i like tweeting out uh widgets of whatever countdown app of the week I was using. And so it hit a very specific thing for me. And then the, the timeline view just totally clicked with me in a way that uh, I, I open the app every day. Like it's not just a widget app. It really is like things I'm looking forward to. Sometimes I let things that I shouldn't put in there that are not positive things sneak in because it's actually convenient. <laughs> um, but for the most part, it's just this like joyous little bundle of happiness that i get to open in the morning to remind myself of when the next movie i'm looking forward to or video game or event with my kids or whatever is happening and so i cannot recommend the app enough to people and i'm so glad that you got it out there and that it's good enough that you're going to keep it alive because selfishly (laughs) i just want this thing to to survive well thank you that's awesome that means a lot um and yeah i'm excited to see what's next Thanks for listening. This episode was edited by Jonathan Ruiz. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Chucky C or tweet the show directly at launched FM. I'd really appreciate a rating or review in your podcast app of choice. And you can find show notes and more at launched FM.com. <laughs>